you know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. everyone and welcome to a brand episode of the wrap right here on the fake media network happy monday to you all as we're back to as we're back here today recapping the great american bash by nxt it is the new summer classic for the third brand going down live from austin texas i'm keila cash and by my side as always is my co-captain my right hand the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving von wagner i bring to you once a month in a free feed perky scott young welcome back perky Thank you for having me, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. I'm excited to talk about this NXT show. Uh, I, I feel like I got my money's worth. I paid 99 cent, and uh, you know, I, uh, I think I, I think I came out of this pretty good. So I uh, feel good about the money that I spent on this. Well, excuse me for a moment. You spent 99 cents watching the Great American Bash. How? Were there, were there some kind of deal that you took advantage of? Listen, there's there's always a deal. Okay, <laughs> there's always a guy. All right? A guy. 99 cent, 99 cent is all it took. Okay? There's packages. There's always things you can sign up for. And listen, the best part is if they wanted to do another PLE next week, it wouldn't even cost me another 99 cents. <laughs> You know, what do you know? It would be on the house. What do you know? You're saying it's a set price. I, I'm just saying I'm getting my money's worth. That's all. Of, you know, I might get three or four PLEs in the same month for 99 cent. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I did not take advantage of the 99 cent deal. Um, Comcast told me you get two ninety nine for right now for the promotional rate, <laughs> and then after that's done, you're gonna pay five ninety nine a month because inflation. So um, I'm just gonna stick with it right now. But I'm cool with my two ninety nine Xfinity. I'm cool with it. Y'all tried it with my ninety nine cents. I've been a loyal customer for years. I've been dedicated. Has not missed a payment. You're gonna try me, but Scott gets ninety nine cents. Okay. I appreciate that. We're going to talk about it, find out who his source is, who the men's are that arranged that for him off the air. But also joining us today is someone who is brave enough to watch a lot of professional wrestling at one time, from the G1 to WWE to a little AEW to everything in between. He's here with us to recap the highs and lows of NXT's Great American Bash. I bring to you back on the show once again, Jeremy Feinstone. Welcome back, Jeremy. Hello, and I have said goodbye to the entire month of July and August in lieu of wrestling. And I, too, have taken the 99 cent deal. But I sometimes feel like a giant idiot because I have also dropped an additional $5 a month on that same deal for commercials to be free from the PLE, which doesn't actually happen. 
I'm paying $5 for WWE commercials instead of regular commercials. And I'd argue that the regular commercials might be better. That's the kind of thing I was thinking about while we were going through the whole rigmarole, the 99 cent Black Friday deal, which is, in fact, an amazing deal. And I'm very happy that I take part of it because watching all this wrestling has not exactly been expensive. Well, hey, got to find a deal when you can, correct? Right? Shout out to Black Friday. Shout out to Black Friday. Pour one out for Black Friday. Don't don't think we're getting this one next year. (laughs) Hey, hey, nah, nah, bump that. We're going to pull two out because I can get two PLEs for that 99 cent. You feel me? (laughs) Oh, my God. Back to back. Drake style. You know what I mean? Six days apart. I'm going to Detroit City next week. That's going to be a good show as well. Yes. It is going to be. Going to be worth 49 cents if this was 50 cents. (laughs) Oh, my God. It is going to be a great show. 1,000 pennies. Take it or leave it. Oh, my God. Not the exact math of pennies, for (laughs) Christ's sakes, but it is going to be... I want everyone to get their money's worth, okay? Well, all of the cents that we have at our disposal, the 1,000 pennies, we got quarters, dimes, nickels. It's going to be a lovely thing here. But, yeah, SummerSlam is going to be a great show. And I have to say, since Triple H has taken over last year, there has not been one bat PLE by WWE, and that must be a record in the last 20-plus years of every show, whether it's a major PLE or a B show. It has been really good, and the streak continues, hopefully, on Saturday. We had NXT. Tonight it was a good show. We had some miss and misses here and there, but still a strong PLE on the road for NXT as they continue to find their footing outside of the PC. Before we dive into the Great American Bash, I want to briefly talk about what happened on SmackDown this past Friday back on Fox. We had a bloodline segment involving Roman Reigns, the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, and Jey Uso talking about their tribal combat match for the Universal title and the title of Tribal Chief at SummerSlam this Saturday. And Jay was going to kick off the show, but Roman says, this is my show you don't kick off the show. I do. And he continued to talk down little Jay about how he gave him the title of the right hand man, how he gave him the title of the main event. Jey Uso, he gave him these titles to be in the spotlight alongside him. Without him, he would be nothing. And so there's no way that Jay is going to beat Roman as someone to take his title and the title of tribal chief. And Jay basically said one key thing, like, I know I can beat you because guess what? I already beat you at Money in the Bank about a month ago. What about it? He walks away and then we have the main event of SmackDown involving Jay Uso and Grayson Waller. A solid main event. Nice showcase for Jay as in a message to Roman Reigns by sparing Grayson Waller followed by the Uso Splash for the one, two, three after the match is over. Solo tries to ambush his brother, Jay. Jay fights back. Roman gets in the ring. And then we have Roman probably complete one of the best recoveries of the year. He slips, but then falls right into a spear by Jay. But then Jay gets beat down by Solo and Roman is a hit him with a double combo of a spear and Samoan spike for good measure as Roman stands tall this week, heading into their tribal combat match for everything on the line this Saturday at SummerSlam, going down live from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. But Scott, your take on the latest story chapter in the Bloodline saga as we approach the middle of the seventh inning. Uh, I, 
honestly, I don't think there's anything they're going to be able to do right now that's going to really, you know, change my interest as far as make me go, oh my God, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Or to make it be like, this is terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, you know, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the match. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a match we talk about. Like, I think they're going to put on something special. And I like the fact that Jay Uso is standing on his own. You know, he's holding his own. He's talking like a man. He's holding himself. And, you know, he, he talking confidently too. Like, there's something about that being in this spot. Main event Jay Uso is here. He's back. And I hope this isn't just a, a one-time thing at SummerSlam. Like, I, I hope he sticks around him as a singles guy because I absolutely think you can get something out of main event Jey Uso after this. I do, too. But, Scott, we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. And that fear is creeping in. Hmm. I'm getting Bella Twins flashbacks from 2014. Should. I should. We should. Because I get the sneaky suspicion that Jimmy's been away for too long and that whatever Paul has said recently about this is all Jay's fault is going to come back on Jimmy. And I have this sneaky suspicion and fear that Jimmy's going to turn on his brother and realign with Roman and Solo to cost Jay the championship at SummerSlam. It's going to happen. And then we're going to have this big blow up when Jay finds two new brothers in Sammy and Kevin Owens just in time for Survivor Series in November <laughs> so we can run it back <laughs> in Chicago. It's perfect, beautiful storytelling. Like, how can we do one reunion for another one? Let's swap out the Usos for Jay's new brothers. Jeremy's laughing at this because he knows I'm not lying and the house is already sold out. So why not go there? So you're telling me you expect Sami Zayn to give Roman Reigns a haluva kick in a cage at SummerSlam this next year. Is that where we're going? Because that seems like a pretty good direction to go. Uh, okay, so to get to that point, we have to have the combat, the tribal combat match. This, I think we all know where this is going. I think we all know how this is going to end, but it doesn't matter. This whole feud, I show up every couple months and I feel like I say the same thing. They squeeze an unlimited blood from the stone that is the bloodline feud, the bloodline story. Roman Reigns showed up three years ago at, at SummerSlam or whatever the, the PLE was right around there. Back to back, won the title off of Bray Wyatt and the, and the uh, Braun Strowman match and off to the races. Ever since then, it has just been the Roman show. We're at the fourth inning, the fifth inning, whatever. Again, I feel like we know where we're going with this. But at the same time, I am so compelled every step of the way. It is the best storyline WWE has told since probably McMahon versus Austin over 20 years ago. And this might go down as probably their greatest story ever that has gone on for three years with so many different chapters and layers and sagas in between. Like this storyline is truly the gift that keeps on giving and is going to give again. There's going to be another twist coming, I do believe, as some of us are going to circle back to Scott. Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think that Jimmy's going to return and then ultimately flip on his brother and rejoin the bloodline? Honestly, I I didn't until you laid out what you laid out, and like I'm like, I mean like, I, I, I why wouldn't you do that? 
why why wouldn't you have Jimmy trying to just run right into that story because you ain't got nothing bigger going. You ain't, they ain't got the balls to do the hurt business versus the bloodline because you know obviously there's not gonna be any bloodline left. So <laughs> clearly they never had the balls to do that one. You know what I mean? So it's like I think that's a great idea, Keela. And I think that is a a wonderfully laid out plot line where you can have main event Jey Uso. You can have Jimmy as a singles guy now. Like I I don't know if they're gonna do that, but I think that's a great map that you laid out right there. Would you would you do Jimmy versus Jay at Mania? I would save it. Yeah, I mean if I would say I would definitely save that for Mania. That seems like if you started it now and you built it all the way to Mania, that that could be another red hot feud within the bloodline Uso like ecosphere. I love that. And that could be built up for WrestleMania. And I'm going to add some more layers to this because I have the justification as to why Jimmy would join. Because according to Jay, Jimmy was meant to have everything. He was the captain of the football team, prom king. He was meant to be the most likely to succeed in life as a superior twin. So why not Jimmy be the new right-hand man to his cousin? The thing that he thought his brother couldn't do three years ago, and now he wants to do it better than him. And Jay is on the outskirts of the bloodline, still main event Jay Uso finding his family, but finding two new brothers in Sammy and Kevin Owens. And here we are, Survivor Series, Chicago, War Games Part 2, bringing on with Jeremy's finish of Sammy Haluva kicking the shit out of Roman Reigns to score the win over the Tribal Chief. Why the hell not? I, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, you know, I I don't know about anybody else, but I, I I'm in. I'm so. It feels like you put a lot of bows on a lot of on a lot of stories by doing that, and uh, I don't know. We never really got that that Cody, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn six man team that was supposed to go up against the Bloodline. We never got that, and so there might be a reason why they were saving that, and maybe Cody would be. Uh, the fourth for for uh, the Owen Sammy and Uso side, maybe. Mm. I'm I'm gonna tell you what the it, t- you know I know this is not me harping on it, but there was no better finish to pinning Roman Reigns than the one we had at WrestleMania. It didn't happen, but the 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 stunner into the hell of a kick into the cross like that was the finish for Roman. So oh, absolutely. You, you add now you add Jay with the frog splash. I think that's the finish. What's amazing to me is that they sat in the booking room at WWE and said, Do we have enough material that we can make this go another year and have Cody do get a do-over in 2024? And they said yes, and so far they're not wrong. Yeah, after Brock's going to be after Brock is going to be the test of what do you do with Cody if he's not going straight after the title. So that's going to be where it gets interesting. But yeah, I 100% agree. They've done a good job of keeping Cody busy, giving him something to do, giving him wins, and he's taking he's taking a loss to Brock Lesnar, but giving him wins. So it, yeah, they've done a real good job of that. But the real test is going to be after Brock Lesnar. The big test, and they've been running this circle around for three months. And you know what, Scott, you teased me last week over Liv Morgan, never explaining why she went crazy. 
it's been three months and we still don't know why Brock is angry at Cody. We don't know what this man did to him. See, what y'all don't know is in the in the back, right? In the back, right? Brock offered that man some shine. And Cody was like, nah, I'm good, bro. I'm at work. You know what I'm saying? I can't I gotta go out and talk. You know, I don't want to be slurring my speech. I can't I can't take that. So Brock took offense to that. It was when they were gonna tag. He was like, you know, I only I only tag with people I, you know, I, I take I take some shine with. He was like, after the match, Brock, after the match. He ain't like that. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to find out that all this time Brock secretly wished that Dusty was his dad. Oh my god. Yo. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. <laughs> I would believe... Almost broke you. I almost broke you. You almost did. But no, you tried it with that excuse. The better answer would be (laughs) that Brock offered Cody the finest cut of caribou and Cody said, no, no thanks. I'm good. I don't want to hunt you. For me and he was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Cody said, I, Co- Cody, Cody said, loves I got- his Tomahawk State, guys. You can yes. it's all documented. Oh my God. But look, Cody, Cody said, I got the Ciroc, though, right? <laughs> Not the Ciroc. I got the Ciroc. Ciroc for the culture. Not the right? Ciroc for the culture. Oh my God. Not for the culture. <laughs> He'd have put Sean Diddy Combs to shame as the new face of Ciroc. <laughs> <laughs> If I see a Ciroc sponsorship at SummerSlam, I will cry. I will. Oh, gosh. That one got me good. <laughs> the Ciroc sponsorship. I, I am here for it. And all of those excuses are better than the ones we don't have as to why Brock does not like Cody. And I'm still waiting. Like, I'm waiting for Liv to tell me why she likes jumping off a high shit. We're never going to get the answers to those questions anytime soon. We got to make shit up in our head. But this was a lot of fun as we dived into a little bit of what we can expect this Saturday at SummerSlam. More details to come as we wrap up the show. But let's dive into last night's Great American Bash, PLE, going down live from Austin, Texas. We had a pre-show match around 7.30-ish on Peacock involving... The actual Heritage Cup champion, Nathan Fraser, Dragon Lee, Valentina Feroz, and Lulisa <laughs> Leon as they faced off against the metaphor. I do love that play on words. Noam Dar, who was giving Weekend at Bernie's so for the last few weeks, being depressed over not being the Heritage Cup champion anymore. But he's got a duplicate cup alongside Jakara Jackson, Lash Legend, or Mensa. And this was a fun party match to kick off the pre-show. The crowd was hot. We had some nice high spots from everybody. I think this might have been Lash Legend's greatest performance ever, and that's saying something. So she is improving slowly but surely. That's why it's so important that it was needed for her to pull back from being in the ring on NXT and let her learn behind the scenes. And it's worked wonders. What a concept that is. But a lot of fun. We had some dives on the outside from everyone. And then it came down to Dragon Lee scoring the pin over Oramensa to end the match on a high note. But Scott, your take on the pre-show match that kicked off the Great American Bash. Yeah, good energy. Um, again, I, I think way better than I thought it was going to be. Everything worked out a lot better than I thought it was going to. Um, you know, you... <laughs> 
this was definitely a mishmash of characters uh, on each team. It's, uh, I would have much rather had a Heritage Cup match, but that's just me being picky. Uh, but yeah, the match was fine. I think uh, Noam Dar and his cast of In Living Color is uh, just... What? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think they are a trip. So, um, you know, we can, we can have more of them. I'm all for it. Uh, on, the, on the other side, <laughs> you know, on the other side, we got a bunch of high flyers and stuff. But, uh, yeah, the, the match was fine. Good, good start to the show. Jeremy, what you think? I was actually super impressed with uh, Valentina Faraz and Ulysses Leone. In all honesty, uh, I honest, I I did not know that. I believe Leone is second generation because her dad wrestled in CMLL, and you can tell once you're told that that this person has legacy. And I remember Faraz and Leone from Leone getting her knee injured and. They had the Songa storyline back in like October, and then they just disappeared, and now they showed up into this whole thing. And I don't know how many times they must have rehearsed this match before they went out in front of an audience and did it, but it was enough. This was over-delivered, in my opinion, based off of what I was thinking what I was going to be watching when I came into it. And I want to give a shout-out to the metaphor opening, like, their their entrance because the four bars and them standing the way that they did that was a big time entrance that you don't get to see usually in the uh in the nft training area nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, it was super cool and slick. Scott killed me just now. Um, <laughs> I, don't worry. I, I knew I knew you needed to take a take a quick powder, so I, I moved it on to Jeremy. <laughs> oh my god, um, that cannot be topped. I fear when you call that crew in living color. And where is the light? Do what you want to do, huh? Okay, so um, <laughs> that. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I can't possibly add any more analysis to this. Besides, I do love Leon, and I'm forgetting names because Scott has broken me. Valentina and you with Leon. Thank you, Valentina. Valentina and you, Lisa. I'm so sorry, girls, but I do love them as a tag team. They remind me a lot of Casey and JoJo on the come up. 
as they try to hone their craft. I think they're going to be good in due time and they'll be a great asset to the NXT Women's Tag Team Division. But hopefully those titles that are held currently by Chelsea Green and Serena Deville can float over to NXT since we don't have any more tag team titles for the ladies on that show. But I do love their potential. I love and live in color. They're just a perfect mix. <laughs> They're a great mix match of personalities and they just all click. And let me tell you something. Noam Dar knows how to pull the sisters. If he is not missed in that department ever. Alicia Fox says, hi, I love everything about this crew. It's ridiculous as fuck, but I am here for it. Listen, I don't. I don't know if Noam Dar is getting in Wakanda, but he definitely knows where the door is, and he's knocking. Okay, I, I don't know if he's getting in or not, but he knows where the door is, and he's knocking. Okay, he has found the location for Rose Conda. He has the keys. You in this Rhodes condom, man. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Cody does not own enough shares of that vibranium to have his name as a part of that, that nation. I also think Lash Legend is probably in on that gig, too. No doubt. She definitely got some She's vibranium. Covert. She's covert. All that shit, that could act. For sure. For sure. <laughs> So you're saying she has access to the coast to get to Roscanda? I I don't underestimate Lash Legend for a moment, and you are a fool if you do. I yeah, Ibambe all day. Yes, yeah. Oh my God, the Dora Malahe and Lash Legend. I, I would I would not be surprised to see her I take see the wig it. off and and just go to <laughs> go to town. <laughs> <laughs> have we have we seen her with the kendo stick yet? No, we have not. And I think she'll swing the fuck out of it too. <gasps> Ooh, I am sorry for whoever got to take that first one. <laughs> she will swing. Waiting for the Fed <laughs> She will swing and she will not miss, I swear. So I know that she's got game. She'll hit multiple targets. She won't miss anything. And she'll dunk on them too, like legit. So I'm scared of her. So... We made up this whole scenario, and for the last five minutes, you got your life in living color. Sorry, Paul. Sorry. We're so sorry. Gigi, I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember the last time we did this. Paul actually said, I don't understand a single word of this. So I am, I am, and specifically to Paul Fontaine, I apologize. <laughs> did not mean it. <laughs> But you totally did. And Scott's responsible it too. Just, it just went down the rabbit hole and I was like, I'm going to play along. I'm going to play along. Anytime the three of us get together, this happens and it cannot be helped. That is just a fact of life. To quote LA Knight, and I made that rhyme so you know it's a good show. Off top, as we segue to our first official match on the show, Scott's favorite tag team, The Mob. Tony D'Angelo and Stax Lorenzo versus Gallus, Joe Coffey, and Wolfgang for the NXT Tag Team titles. The mob was super over, slapping hands, playing to the crowd. They're baby faces. The criminals are baby faces in this scenario. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. Wearing prison orange, crushed velvet. Come on, Tony D, come through. But this was a good way to start the show. Love the match. 
Tony D, I think in a year or two, he's going to be like a supreme wrestler. Got the amateur technique down, the suplex and Gallus left and right. Stax is pretty solid in the ring as well. I see his potential. Gallus, they're a really good tag team. Their reputation precedes them from NXT UK. But in NXT USA, just for me, in terms of character work, they have not clicked with this audience yet. So I think it was time for a title switch. And it was the right time for it as Tony D made the save for stacks several points in this match. And then we have Mark Coffey at ringside causing trouble. And then Tony D is going to whack him with the crowbar, lay him out. And then we have the double combo to Coffey to get the NXT tag team titles at long last. The mob runs NXT with tag team go, Jeremy. Your thoughts on this opening match to the great American Bash. I still cannot seem to get over the fact that we have babyface mobsters as our tag team (laughs) championship. This was, I feel like, supposed to be some type of prison rules match. If If you're a child of the 80s and 90s, you know what I mean when I say that Gallus looked like the Beagle Boys from DuckTales when they came out in their entrance, mm. in addition to the D'Angelo family, dressed in prison orange. And I'm just like, this is a gang fight, prison gang fight, which it ended up pretty much being in the show. And this was the match where I, when they came out with their big entrances, even more so than the pre-show, like, man, they got to get out of that NXT center for for their own health and well-being of just like health as a company because i look at this and i compared it to like the ring of honor death before dishonor show and this was such a bigger like minor league show than ring of honor was for aew and you can argue that they're they have very similar like existences but i just love the presentation i as amusing as i find the 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 crime element of both of these teams and their dynamics. I thought this was a really good match. I thought D'Angelo is going to be a huge star one day. I think Gallus, as much as they want to get behind him, they kind of have a ceiling, and I'm not sure how far they're really going to get with the company. But for where they are now in NFT, uh, they're they're really good. Agree, definitely. And Tony D's growth has been remarkable. It's amazing how somebody can spend two months in jail and get a title shot on Shawn Michaels' watch. But look at God. It's a miracle, and I tell you. gain like 15 pounds of muscle. Yes. Now, I stare respectfully at things and a nice visual. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Cheddar Biscuits for Tony D'Angelo. Uh, 15, 15 for the man over there. <laughs> 15. They have, a nice, they have a nice gym and hospital area in, in the prison, is all I'm saying. Yeah, he, yeah. He, could, he could put on 15 pounds of muscle, but he can't get a cell phone. <laughs> but he, he the head of the mob, but he can't get a cell phone there. But he put on 15 pounds of muscle, he'd be doing hella push-ups. Listen, to be fair, okay, you're not wrong. The track phone just let its way in there somehow, some way. But no, he wanted to work on his fitness and get thick. And I respect that. But Scott, your thoughts on the mob, as you predicted, winning the NXT Tag Team titles. Yeah, I thought the uh, the mob versus the Irish mob was a good match. <laughs> um, you know, it was all about the mob affairs. 
the titles were definitely staying with the mob. It was just a matter of whether it was going to be the Italian mob, you know, Tony D, or it was going to be the Irish mob. So, um, you know, I, I thought the match was good. Tony D has great fire. Stacks I'm not quite sold on. I don't know if it's the Hey Arnold haircut or if it's what? just him in general. I just, I'm, just, I'm, just not, I'm just not sold on Stacks, man. But Tony D, I'm all in on. I think Tony D's great. He's got great baby face fire. Uh, Gallo's got to show out a little bit. Um, you know, but... I don't think, and I, Jeremy, you know, I think what you said about them having a ceiling, I agree with you. I think the next phase for Gallus is going to be whenever Drew McIntyre decides to turn heel, they get called up and just kind of roll with him. I think that's the next thing that they got going for him. I like it. <sighs> two for two, by the way, with Keela. By the end of the night, you're going to have your hand like Booker T with the five, and you're just going to do the spin a rooney you, you know what? You know what, Jeremy? <laughs> speaking of Booker T, speaking of Booker T, real quick, real quick. Banner I just, night for the dude. Banner night. <laughs> this man, first of all, he would be like, what's it called? What's it called again, Vic? X. <laughs> like, dude, bro, we get it. <laughs> You're excited. There was, there was a line in the beginning with Vic, basically. Booker said, I don't know the thing. Like, and Vic said, they're like, I'm going to bite my tongue. And Booker just, said, just laughed, and it got quiet for a second. And then they moved on with the show, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> Booker was on one, man. Booker was on one. I apologize for me screaming earlier, but Booker was on one. He's always on one. He's always on one. Scott's on one, too, tonight because he's two for two at getting me. I did not expect a Hey Arnold reference to hit me the way that it did. And I would never look at Stack's hair the same way again, you football head. But I am going to move on now, too. By the grace of God, I'm going to move on to Roxanne Perez versus Blair Davenport in a weapons wild match for match number two for NXT, the Great American Bash. And I thought this was a very good match. I thought this is one of Roxanne's better matches and a nice showcase for Blair Davenport as well on the big stage. Love the physicality throughout. It was a bruising match. We had cowbells. We had belts. We had whippings. We had them strapped to each other and they were whipping each other into the barricade at one point. We had the family element of Roxanne's mom and sister at ringside being taunted and harassed by Blair Davenport at various points during this match. But it was a lot of fun. We had trash can shots to Roxanne. We had like a Poker iron for reasons. Like, I know we ain't branding nobody on this show, but it was there. Then we had the chairs laid out in the ring. Just a lot of physicality from both ladies, but it came down to, of course, what the people wanted to see, which was tables. And Roxanne Perez was more than happy to oblige them. But at the table, we had a couple of attempts at Pop Rocks to Blair Davenport on the chairs. That was blocked by her both times. But we had Roxanne Perez splash Blair Davenport through the table on the outside. She has popped rocks on the chairs for the win. Really good match. Nice bounce back win for Roxanne Perez. But at this point, she has done all there is to do on NXT. And at some point, hopefully before the end of this year, she gets caught up to the main roster. Your thoughts, Jeremy, on this match 
involving Roxanne and Blair Davenport. I had a great time watching this match. Uh, on Sunday, July 30th, 2023, in the state of Texas, there was no bigger babyface in that state than Roxanne Perez when she pulled out that table. When she pulled out that table, the entire state of Texas erupted in cheers as if she was Carrie Von Erich against Ric Flair. It was amazing. Uh, the more amazing thing was is that she pulled out the table and then later on, she did not have the table used against her. She splashed Blair Davenport. She crushed the poor woman. Please go back and watch the instant replay of the post-match where you watch her just basically lop off the side, the top of the ring, and you just see Blair Davenport look in sheer terror as she comes down across her chest and her neck and crush her. Giving her this dominant splash and then take her in there and give her pop rocks onto the chair. This was so incredibly definitive for Roxanne Perez. If you're not going to belt her immediately after this, you might as well just move her on. Agree, Jeremy. I mean, she was over in her home state. The fans loved her. She's so good, man. Like, she is so good at this, and she's only going to get better. And this was a match I wanted to see from her and Blair on TV a few weeks ago. This was a nice showcase of both ladies, especially Roxanne being the conquering baby face who was over and beloved by the people. And Blair, she's going to be somebody as well. But I think it is time. If Roxanne is not going to get the NXT Women's Championship back ever again, call her up so she could be a player on Raw and SmackDown moving forward. But Scott, your take on Roxanne Perez versus Blair Davenport in a Weapons Wild match. I thought this was a really fun match. <clears throat> I really enjoyed Roxanne. I thought she uh, demonstrated why she will be one of the uh, biggest baby faces in the game whenever uh, she gets called up. And it may not end up being in WWE, but wherever she goes, she is going to be a huge baby face. Like the way she can just get the crowd behind her and the way she can read the crowd. And she knew exactly what she was doing when she pulled that table out at that time to get the crowd going. So, um, I, I thought the match was real good. I love the counters that we got, just a couple little things. Like there was a, a counter to the Pop Rocks where Blair caught her on the rotation and flipped her right back, almost like an Alabama slam type thing. So that was a real nice counter. Uh, I, I thought this was a, a brutal match in a good way. I thought the ladies really laid it out there. Uh, three and a half tears from me. Uh, the Mob versus the Irish Mob, that one gets two and a half to Actually, yeah, two and a half tears from me for that one as well. But yeah, the, the ladies, I thought, put on a good show. I think if before you send Roxanne up, you can get one more match against Tiffany out of her. If you're going to call her up, then you let Tiffany beat her on the way out. You know, maybe that's the reason she gets the title match. But give her one more. I think you get one more good match out of Tiffany with Roxanne on the way out before she goes. Agreed, for sure. I just enjoyed the match thoroughly, and I'm just ready for Roxanne's next chapter, whenever that's going to be. So, really fun match. I thought baby sis at ringside was great. Mom was good, too. Selling their baby and their sister getting beat down, but she came through in the end with the victory, and that's all good in her home state. Set the tone nicely for our next match, which was something, let me tell you. So this was supposed to be the professional wrestling debut of one Gable Steveson versus Baron Corbin. Ladies and gentlemen, we have entered the Twilight Zone 
and the upside down and the outer limits all at one time because on July 30th, 2023, Baron Corbin, for the first time in his career, outside of his early days of NXT, as a lone wolf, where they love you for just being you, he was cheered and loved by this crowd. They wanted to root for Baron Corbin and Gable Steveson got the superstar entrance, got the intro package and everything. And he got the, what are you doing here? Reception. Do you like us? Do you really want to do this? Is your heart in it? He got the boo bird treatment. He was resoundedly booed out of the building. Anything he tried, they booed. Suplexes boo, suplex boo, punches boo. Everything was a big boo for Gable Steveson and Baron Corbin. Anytime he got shots in, they were cheering for him. It was bizarro land, the rare word I use when it comes to crowd reactions in WWE, but it was definitely the case. They was going back and forth throughout this match. At one point, they were at ringside brawling, and the time caught up to them as Gable Steveson sent Baron Corbin over the announce table that drew a double count out. The fans chanted bullshit at this finish. They wanted a decisive runner, preferably Baron Corbin, most likely. And the brawl continued and the fans were rooting for, once again, Baron Corbin. Anytime that Gable Steveson was trying to play to the crowd, he got booed. And we had security, we had referees, they were taking bumps for Steveson and Baron Corbin as well. And at one point we had... Steveson send Baron Corbin to the barricade and he still got booed. So this was something. This was something I did not expect, but mm, a debut of this magnitude, it definitely fell short of expectations, Scott. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> real quick, though, on the Baron Corbin thing, there were there are a couple other times where he was cheered. Um, I, I think back to bum-ass Corbin when he came and took out Finn Balor and he had that contract in his hand and Roman Reigns was looking at him bewildered like, what are you going to do with that spaghetti stain on your shirt? And uh, he was going to sign the contract and the crowd was going crazy for him before Cena came out and we got that match. And then there was a time back uh, when he was called up and there was the Royal Rumble and Braun Strowman still had the, the, the way too long beard going with the, with the rat tail. And Corbin ended up eliminating him for the Rumble, and that got a huge cheer out of the crowd. So uh, there were two other times, so we can't count them on our hands, two other times. So we're at three times. We've almost got a full hand's worth of times Baron Corbin has been cheered. As far as Stevenson goes, <clears throat> not, a, uh, not the, the best or ideal situation to come into. I think we've all seen the chatter online and in different forums and whatnot about Steve's uh, Gable and whatnot and, and what happened. So I don't know anything about that, but I, I, I'm honestly not surprised. And I just based on the reaction that I've seen and just some of the, the chit chat that goes on. So I'm not surprised. Um, like Jeremy said, the match was fine and it's not his fault. The crowd turned on it, but it is what it is, and the crowd did still turn on it. I do want to uh, say, though, Baron Corbin did jump off the announce table with a, uh, with a double axe handle. So shout out to Baron Corbin. Yes, shots to Baron Corbin. I got to say this rerun of NXT has been great for him. I think he has really benefited from going back to NXT to figure out his character. And I loved his interview with that on After the Bell with Corey Graves a few weeks ago to explain his process of going back to NXT. And 
I dig it. He realized, you know what? I want to switch to, I want to switch stuff up. I want to do something that's different. That's me. And I see that. And for the first time in his career, he's being himself. And I love that for him. And he looks good out there. I'm impressed by how he carries himself as a star. And when it's time for him to get called back up to the main roster, he's gotten made. I think this has done wonders for him. I think personally, outside of Dom Dom, best moved NXT to date. But Jeremy, your take on Corbin, the reception to Gable Stevenson, and the double count of finish that left the crowd feeling meh at the end of the night. There's a lot to unpack for me personally here. Okay, so five days ago, there was no conversation about Gable Stevenson even wrestling a match. So when we get to the Great American Bash and he's able to go six minutes in the ring with Baron Corbin and get a reaction from the crowd and to competently wrestle a match, for what matters in this, I consider that an absolute win. Uh... So Gable Stevenson gets booed by the crowd. Okay, let's unpack that. WWE fans are tribal. They have not accepted Gable Stevenson. He has not earned anything with them. Whatever he has done outside of WWE does not matter to a single WWE fan in that arena. They know his name. They're told he's important, but they haven't seen it for themselves yet. And so when he wrestled like Kurt Angle, and I tell you, he watched a lot of Kurt Angle tapes tonight when he wrestled that match, maybe a few Brock Lesnar ones as well, uh, he could go. And all the things that he needs to work on, he can do. Those are fixable things. The things that were not fixable, we saw tonight that he can wrestle in a ring. He can go with Baron Corbin. He can go for six minutes. I don't care that it didn't end with a decisive win. It shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. At some point, at a big show, he's going to get that big win. Rome wasn't built today. And I will tell you this much. I am so thankful, so very thankful that this wasn't a match at WrestleMania. Because if we had gotten a finish differently or had this match in any way, shape, or form, the pressure would have been so much higher and the discourse would have been so much greater than it was. And even the discourse today was so frustrating about the goalposts changing, about what the expectations were for Stevenson coming out of this match. When we didn't know five days ago that he was going to have a match and we were even going this route, uh, he delivered on everything that he needed to deliver on. He has the potential to exceed expectations on the things that he has not exceeded expectations before. And all in all, this was a passing grade, and I was happy with it. I was fine with it. He looked fine in the match, but as you said, Jeremy, thank God this was not WrestleMania because there was no one the hell this would have flew as a finish. Ain't no way. So in this case, forgivable, run it back on NXT, but we'll see how the PC crowd responds. But outside of Florida, damn. That was something you also got to, you also got to take into account Gable Stevenson's backstory, which is very mm, controversial. That could be a combo of that as well. And him also like making some decisions as to whether he wants to go to the Olympics, whether he wants to go back to college, go to the 30 NCAA championship. You know, commitment is very important to WWE fans, whether you're in or you're out. Are you 100% committed? Are you into it? And I think that does fall into that reception he got last night and Baron Corbin being as over as he was. It was kind of like a perfect storm situation that played into how that match went down last night at the Great American Bash. But thank God, as you said, this was not a WrestleMania because ain't no way that would have been the finish. Yeah, so 
I look at Gable Stevenson, and to me, I think of him more like a Pat McAfee or a Logan Paul, where the audience is going to make you earn their respect, like make you earn it. If they want, if they give you the respect, you're going to have to earn it. He is not Kurt Angle or Baron Corbin levels yet, where you just come in and you're like, oh, this guy's the real deal from the first match out. And the company's telling you that. The the fans are dictating this, and they're telling you, like, we need to see it, and so far, we're not convinced. No, that's my read on it as well, and we'll see how it goes in the weeks to come. But, yeah, it was something, that reception last night. Mm. But I did like the fight at the end. That was fun. The brawl had the fans going, despite the finish of it all. But, hey. He's got it. He's got all of it. He does. I just think he's got to find that personality that he had at Raw, that he, not at Raw Underground, that he had at NXT Underground a few weeks ago. He had it then. I don't know where it was last he, night. Have, get a mouthpiece, turn him heel, and, and cut him loose. He ain't as good as his brother. <laughs> I can tell you that. He ain't Kemp. You're right about that. Down and and real quick, I know we got to move on. I don't I don't want to spend too much time on on Gable and Kemp since they're not going to acknowledge them as they're going to keep them with different names. With they they had different parents. What's going on with that? Know, what are we doing they with know that? Know each other so well. <laughs> Come on, man. Are we uh, how long how long are we going? How long are we running with that? We'll find out. We'll see in due time. We shall see. But yeah, that was a match, we got to say, as we move on to a match of more shenanigans involving the NXT North America champion, Dirty Dominic Mysterio versus Wesley versus Mustafa Ali, Chip Threat for the North America Championship. This was really fun. Rhea Ripley is my favorite woman outside of Bianca Belair in this business today because she is phenomenal in every way. Presence for days, star quality for days, badass for days as well. Sticking by her man, wearing her man's vest, supporting him in his time of need. And Dom, I gotta say, showed out last night. Got great heat, put in a great performance as well in the ring. Wesley and Mustafa Ali were right there with them every step of the way as two season vets that can carry Dom, but Dom carried himself as well. Love the action, nice high-flying for everyone involved. But then it came down to some stuff going down with Ali going for a 450 splash with Dominic and Wesley draped over the ropes on by the apron and that backfired. Ali took a nasty spill. Wesley was trying to go for the win, but but Rhea Ripley blocked him and then he leaped over Rhea Ripley to take a dive to Dominic on the outside as he tries to go back in the ring to get Dom. We have Rhea Ripley land the riptide on Wesley threw the announce table, but every time Dom tried to get the win, Wesley kept kicking out and popping the crowd. And Ali at one point goes with the 450 splash, lands it on Wesley, thinking he's going to be the champion. The rear Ripley comes through once again, pulls her guy out of trouble, and that allows Dom to go up top, land the frog splash on Wesley to retain the championship. This was a lot of fun, and in this case, I was here with the shenanigans of Rhea Ripley causing trouble and being a badass at ringside and helping her guy get the win. And Dominic Mysterio, ratings draw Dom, the dirty Dom god, 
he's been doing it lately. Good for him. Your thoughts on this match, Scott, between Wesley, Dirt and Dom, and Mustafa Ali for the NXT North American Championship. I thought this match was a lot of fun. Um, I thought Rhea Ripley, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, I thought she might have been the star of the match. I mean, just her face was on the outside. But the one thing I came away from this match thinking was, man, Mustafa Ali versus Wesley would have been just a, a banger on a on a, a PLE with time like this, just to just go, go, go. Because you do it on TV, you're going to have commercial breaks and who you know all that. This I, they. Whenever they have their one-on-one match, because it's clearly what they're building to, I hope it's the next PLE that NXT puts on because that's what I want to see, and that's what I came out of this match wanting to see. Um, I mean, you had Mustafa Ali attempt a 450 splash on both of the guys on the apron. Uh, missed that. I love the the suplex spot where Don went for three amigos on both of them, and then they end up hitting... I don't even know what to call it, rolling trifecta of suplexes because they definitely they couldn't roll their hips. So they had to just roll through on the suplexes. So that was a cool little spot. Um, I, yeah, Dom looked good. The match was was good, but I just came out of it really wanting a Wesley versus Mustafa Ali singles match because I think those two could really do some damage, man. Um, I also appreciate them keeping Wesley as a Superman during the PLEs. It, like I'm used to him kicking out of everything at the PLEs because that's what he does. So I, that that didn't bother me like it would normally. But um, yeah, good match. This this got uh, three and three quarter tiers out of me. I agree. I will co-sign all of your stars so far on the show. I thought this was a very fun match. Dominic Mysterio keep that title on him for a while. I don't know who's going to beat him for the belt. Maybe Wesley can get the belt back. But right now, Dom is the guy. Pulling ratings for NXT, whole judgment day, in fact, and Rhea's right there with them. I love the duo. They have grown stronger in their chemistry on screen as of late, so I am loving all of it. But, Jeremy, your take on Dirty Dom retaining the NXT North American Championship against Wesley and Mustafa Ali, thanks to a major assist from Rhea Ripley, the women's world champion. If you uh, didn't get a chance to watch the pre-show and da- and Rhea Ripley interviewing before uh, this match, it was also a really great interview by her. Uh, she just she's magnetic with the with the camera. No matter where she is, it is amazing. Uh, Dominic Mysterio in this match, he just keeps getting better and better and better, and just working with different people. Uh, I never thought he would be this good, really, honestly, and he is, and I. I am pleased, and it just it goes to show that even though we clown like the training facilities and the way that they do things in WWE, even if there is a nepotism factor, you can get better, even if you are the dirt worst when you start out. So, good job by you, Dominic Mysterio. You are a worthy title holder. Now, here's a guy I feel kind of bad for, Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali wanted his release a few years ago, and he didn't get it. And then he was just kind of buried on the Raw roster, not exactly uh, getting a whole lot of shine. So he comes down to NXT and, you know, get a feud with Wesley and uh, Tyler Bate, and we're going we're gonna to get into a North American title match. And then all of a sudden, someone a little higher up in the chain decides, you know, we should really put the – put the wheel in motion on this judgment day thing and, and get it going. We're going to belt Dominic Mysterio taking all the momentum of Mustafa Ali being that 
main roster guy coming down and challenging for the title. Dominic clunk right in. It feels almost like the story of Mustafa Ali's career, and I feel kind of bad about it, but I don't. I don't know. It's just <laughs> there's kind of an irony about the whole thing that's just like sometimes the dominoes don't fall your way. Sometimes the Dominic falls your way instead. Whoa. You know, speaking of that, it's funny you say that. Well, not funny, but it's ironic you say that because Mustafa Ali was supposed to have his big moment going after Daniel Bryan, and that's how Kofi Mania started, him getting hurt and Kofi started. So there is something to what you're saying about this, you know, this kind of bad, just string of just bad luck. We're not even bad, just bad timing. Timing. Timing Yeah, it's all about timing. 1,000%. 1,000%. I feel bad for the dude. He's not a bad wrestler. He's, he's a just, great I think he's a great wrestler. There, there is a string of circumstances and decisions both made by him and the company that have caused them to never quite sync up and give it and get the opportunities his way at the right time. Jeremy dropped a bomb, and he pretty much spelled it out perfectly. Mustafa Ali was supposed to go back to NXT for this run. In our heads, it was supposed to be probably Ali and Wesley singles match for the NXT North America Championship. Maybe the whole entire bait in the triple threat could have been incredible, could have sold the show on the show. But Dirty Dom swooped in, ratings draw Dom, numbers don't lie, came through, won the championship, shook the table, and poor Ali is up the outside looking in again. It's like 2019 all over again when Randy accidentally stopped that man and fucked him as over the bone. It's just now it's like bad time and happenstance and it's just, oh, wah, I feel for wah, him. It's just exactly. It's just all of this stuff hitting once and there's nothing that you can do about it. It is just life and it sucks. I feel for Ali, but it's Dominic Mysterio's moment and I'm not going to knock him for it at all. But that was a great observation because it happened again. Ali's NXT excursion <laughs> Hit the skids pretty freaking fast, unfortunately. Happens to the best of us, and he is one of the best, in all honesty. But sometimes, you know, it just it just doesn't work. And I hope he gets his opportunity. I hope that he gets his own personal Kofi Mania moment, maybe three or four or five years down the line. But at the rate it is, I would not blame him if he just comes away from his time in WWE if you're thinking, like, what could have been. Exactly. And that's probably going to be one of the biggest what ifs of his career. 2019, maybe a comeback in 2023. I hope it's not too late for him because he's really talented. But yeah, bad timing across the board. But sometimes it cannot be helped. But still, nonetheless, a really fun match. Fun match. Good match. As we segue to our semi-main event, which was Tiffany Stratton versus Thea Hale in a submission match for the NXT Women's Championship. This match was... I'm not going to lie. It was a struggle bus at points. It was rough around the edges. I like Fiel's potential. Tiffany's all right. But I think it's becoming a bit of a choice to have someone in this role who's growing into being a good wrestler and being the champion right now. And you have to be the leader as a champion. You have to be the one that's a ring general in this, in this, in this situation. And for me, Outside of her matching is Lyra Vicaria, who is an experienced performer. And that was probably Tiffany's best singles match. You're being asked to carry another green worker and you're still green yourself. 
And to me, that's not the best combination. And that Boston Crab, whatever that was, close match, and we had Andre Chase throw the towel, like, okay, whatever. But yeah, this is very rough around the edges for me as a fan. And I like both ladies with this experiment of let's give Tiffany the belt and she can grow into being a champion and a better performer choices right now because you want her to be in the position to succeed and not still learn on the job, taking a training wheel off here and there when she's still trying to figure stuff out. Historically, in NXT, as champion, that has rarely been the case. It normally goes to an experienced worker that's got the reps in to be a champion that can be able to make that step to the main roster and they get the next person in line ready. And in this case, that sequence is out of order with Tiffany being champion right now, Jeremy. You know, this wasn't the best match, and I was trying to figure out what they could have done differently, and I don't really know. And I think the reason I don't know is that they kind of set back the NXT women's division. And I could get flack for this one, but I feel like they really set back the NXT women's division by having Mandy Rose being the champion for so long and not really setting up uh, a strong chain of people to follow. They held with her for so long and then went with Roxanne Perez and then they had to drop the title and then do the tournament and Tiffany Stratton ended up with it. And it just hasn't had that strength of lineage ever since that happened with Mandy Rose. And I get why they did it. I get why they took the belt offer. I get all the decisions, but there are consequences to these decisions. And the NXT women's title division hasn't really been the strongest since then. I was confident that Tiffany Stratton could grow into the role, but she struggled. And perhaps it's uh, time for her to just work on being a wrestler and put a title on her, you know, down the line, maybe tag titles to get her into that mindset. She's just, it's okay if she's not there yet, but she's not. And Thea Hale's young and she's not there yet either. She's 19. I think somebody on the Discord said that the composite age of the people in this match was like 43 years old for the two of them. So it's okay if they weren't there yet. It was a, it was, it was better than it had any right to be, but it still wasn't great. And I think the decisions made at NXT led to that more than the decisions of the wrestler for the match. Amen to all of that. You spoke nothing but facts. And I think that is something that needs to be reevaluated by NXT. Shawn Michaels, I'm looking at you specifically. You know, I want both ladies to succeed, but we have never in the history of NXT have seen that before regarding a champion trying to figure it out along the way and having her carry matches against other green performers. And to me, that is not the recipe for success. It's a recipe for, for failure, which is unintended. And I don't want that for Tiffany or Thea, but that's got to be course corrected very soon. And I just don't want mediocre matches for the women's title on these PLEs. It should be good. They should be very good. And we had that at the last PLE back in May. And I want that again for Tiffany. But this match, unfortunately, was not it. Scott, but your thoughts on it nonetheless. So I, I'm I'm a little torn on, on Tiff as champion because I think when her singles matches, I, I don't I think we're good. Like her match with Thea was good. Like that singles match they had where she beat Thea, that was a good match. Um, I think from in this, you know, this is just my personal opinion on it, but I think where the issue comes in is like, we have all these gimmick matches. Like 
what why why are you putting two women with that experience in a submission match you know like early on in the match you see tiffany go right for a roll-up and that's just her instinct in the ring in that spot that's probably just something they go over and do in that spot they go right into a roll-up and then she then she transitioned into the but I just I I don't I, what reason do they like all all the women's matches were some type of gimmick match you know there was the big hardcore match and now there's a submission match I I don't think there's an issue with just having some straight up singles matches to really showcase like I think they would have had a really good singles match and showcase match like they did on NXT but um I, I think another part of the issue with this match is the story of this match should have been about Tiffany having a submission, having something to go at Thea with, because the whole thing was that Thea had these submissions she was working on. I think back to when John Cena uh, was put into a triple threat submission match versus Chris Masters and Kurt Angle on Monday Night Raw for the WWE title. And the whole thing was that John Cena didn't end matches with submissions. All his matches ended with the FU, um, which it was called at the at the time. It was before the attitude adjustment. So all his matches ended with the FU, but he's in the ring with two submission guys. Chris Masters, the master lock had not been broken at that point. They were really pushing him. I think this is right after he had beaten Shawn Michaels at the pay-per-view. And then you had Kurt Angle, the ankle lock. We don't need to say much. His name says it all. The story of the match was John Cena was enduring, enduring. And then at the end of the match, he pulled it out. He smacked Chris Masters in the back of the leg with the chair, smacked him again, and he locked on the tightest STF he has ever put on, and I damn near choked him out, had his full bicep wrapped around that dude's throat. And, I mean, the way they set it up and played it out was just, it was beautifully done, and the crowd went crazy for it because they didn't see it coming. That's what you should have done with Tiffany. That Boston Crab, and then she lost it. Instead of just turning her back over, grabbing her, and putting her back into it, that's where kind of the experience comes in. But she finished it with the knee in the back. That's what she should have pulled out after she hit that moonsault she hits right to her back. She should have put her knee right in her back and and just started yanking on it. That's when old Chase could have threw in the towel. Like, I, you know, I think the story and the flow of the match could have been a lot different. And I think if they would have just kind of followed that textbook right there, you would have had a nice pattern of go after. I kind of agree. Uh, it could have been done a lot better in all honesty with uh, the Tiffany Stratton submission. I just, I don't know. Like, you you got real interesting when you're trying to do a submission match and neither of these people are really good at submissions. Like, it's just a rough going. Well, and the other thing is just some of the stuff they're doing in the match, like, Thea's doing this, like, like crazy tilt a world and the arm drags and then they're doing uh, suicide dives that are supposed to get blocked and turned into slams. It's... I, you know, you don't have, everything doesn't have to be a hundred miles per hour, the most convoluted thing. Like sometimes the most basic things make the stuff like Tiffany's moonsault is beautiful. You do a bunch of basic stuff. That's going to make that just add even more to it. So I don't know. I, I, I just think some of the layouts for what they're asking the women to do isn't putting them in the best position to succeed. 
Keela, are you with us? I am here. I was on mute briefly because <laughs> I had some background noise. I was talking and then Jeremy came in with the recovery. Bless him. He is a professional for a reason. But I wanted to co-sign on everyone's takes because you're both correct. And, you know, it was just a match that just wasn't it. And Scott mentioned as well that it was a night of gimmicks for the women's division. One worked well, one not so much. It was a risky move and it was just all right. But to me, it's going to have to come down to repetition and mechanics for Tiffany Stratton's run to be successful as champion. It's a risky gamble. We'll see if it will pay off in due time. But the potential there is clearly apparent, but it just still needs a bit more refinement in the next year or so. But serviceable match, not perfect being a search of the imagination, but I did like the look that Duke Hudson had of like, dude, you gave up on our girl. He looked kind of stern at you know, the founder of Chase U. We'll see how that goes. Cause I still don't trust Duke's big ass long term. Just I'm saying. over towel throwing. Just me too. Whole, I just I don't like it. I don't I don't know. Like it's done more lately than I've seen it in maybe more times in the last three years than I feel like in the last fifteen years. And it's just it's just a lot. And I don't like it as a finish. It just it feels cheap. Yeah. I hate that too. Like when you do that tower, I was like, dude, really that's a finish. Like, can you let her pass out at the minimum? You know, let her go out like a fighter. No, let me throw the tower in. Like, dude, I, I was like Duke too. Like this is bullshit, but it was what it was. It was what it was. I'll tell was you, that match. match wasn't bullshit. You know what? It was not. It was not bullshit in the least. It is our main event of the evening. It's Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes, him, for the NXT Championship. This match, my God, I think that we had a flashback to classic black and gold NXT, a hot crowd. Ilya Dragunov, this guy, red contacts and all, that can work my nerves sometimes. But I have to say, he is in my top five in WWE in terms of outstanding otherworldly performers that gives his entire body and soul to this. And he will make anybody have their best match ever. And by God, Carmelo Hayes had his best match ever against Ilya Dragunov because Dragunov leaves no crumbs in the ring. Ask Walter, AKA Gunther about it. Ask Ron Breaker recently. Ask anybody he's ever tangled with in the ring in WWE. This guy is sensational. I stand by what I said for our mock draft with Scott a couple of months ago. You put this guy on the main roster. He is going to be a star. He's going to carry. He's got every tool it is in his arsenal to be great. And this match last night was greatness on display. And Melo was right there with him every step of the way. They have a mixed match of styles, technique versus high flying, but it is melded perfectly. It was a beautiful match. The crowd was into it. I love the counters, the near falls, the violence, the finesse, the beauty of it all. I was into it. I was side eyeing Trick at ringside when he grabbed the NXT Championship belt. Like, I don't want no shenanigans here. But this match is great. We have Dragunov going coast to coast and Melo hits the cold breaker in midair. Oh my God, just so many great moments. But it came down to Dragunov trying to take out Mello with the Torpedo Mascow. But instead, Mello sidesteps. And then we have Dragunov 
headbutt the championship that Trick was holding, lays out Trick two on the floor, and that enables Melo to hit nothing but net, the guillotine leg drop on Dragunov to retain the championship. This was stellar. I accept the finish for what it was. It wasn't too messy or complicated, but this match was absolutely incredible. I'm going to be bold enough to say best singles match I have seen from WWE this year by far, and I've seen a lot of great matches, headline WrestleMania, headline other PLEs and TV shows. This match right here, Dragunov, Mello, absolutely amazing from start to finish. I'm going to go there. Five tiers. Scott, your take. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to give it four and a half tiers. Uh, great, great, real good match. Um, I thought the crowd was fully invested. I actually loved Trick's um, Trick's uh, hype. You know, so his speeches on the sideline when he pulled the title. This is it. This was fourth quarter right here. This is what we in it for. This is what we. I, I loved all that. Uh, I thought Dragonov. He does bring a level of physicality out of his opponents and Mello's chest. Understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to say the least. And you can ask Mello's chest about it because that is a completely different color from when it started. Um, and you could, and I just the counters were all there, the kickouts, the big moves, the selling, the facials. Uh, Dragonoff even decided to to bring out his his dark red moon vampire contacts for this one because he he fully embraced his dark side. But I I, I thought it was great. Uh, the match was fantastic. I don't know if I can quite call it the best singles match I've seen this year from WWE. I I think Roman versus Cody was a little bit better. Uh, maybe it, it could be the moment that was also a part of it as well. Um, but yeah, this was, this was also, a, just, a, just a fantastic way to cap off, uh, the PLE and, uh, Carmelo Hayes is Mr. PLE. He is, he really is finest performance to date. Dragging off that dude, man, plain and simple, but Melo as well showed up and showed out. But Jeremy, your take on this match for the NXT title that was probably, I'm going to go there and say it since the reboot nearly two years ago. Best match of the era so far. I can't think of a better match since that era. Okay, so first match that I ever noticed Dragunov in was the NXT United Kingdom title match versus Walter, where Walter beat his ass in 25 minutes. And then, you know, eight, ten months later, he beats Walter finally and gets the title change. And so he's the NXT United Kingdom champion. And this is in... August of 2021. So every six to eight months, this dude has a 25-minute match that just redefined what wrestling is. And he was leading the charge. He was the guy when Walter left to take over that, uh, be the title, be, be the flag bearer. He unfortunately got injured, you know, against Wolfgang and had to drop the title without ever getting beaten. And then from time to time, he ended up having a 25 or 15 minute match here or there that is just a revelation. And so I was never in doubt for Dragunov of showing up for this match and showing out. Carmelo Hayes, on the other hand, I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to hang with Dragunov because Dragunov is brutal. Holy crap, Carmelo could Carmelo Hayes could hang. And this was a fantastic match. You want to give it five 
cheddar biscuit, whatever you want to give it. Great. You want to give it four and a half? Great. No one's going to argue at that point what an amazing match this was. And when I was watching it, I was struck by how much it reminded me of Andrade versus Aleister Black in the main event of NFT TakeOver years ago. I don't know what it was about the dynamic between those two and these two, but the energy between those two matches were was just like serious deja vu for me. Just a fantastic match. So that was a match you alluded to. I'm going to yeah. raise you one. I'm going to say Andrade and Gargano from Philadelphia. Okay. Dragon on reminded me a lot of Aleister Black in this match, and that, that's why I, I went that one. But I see that too. Yeah, in terms of like the near falls and energy of that match, it gave me those vibes. But Andrade is the theme, <laughs> common thread. He was a great champion on NXT. Oh, he had a great run. But yeah, I love the Aleister Black match as well. The same year that Andrade was champion back in 2018, I believe. But yeah, this match was really, really good. I just love it. Dragunov is amazing. Melo is great as well. And I'm just, I just love chemistry like this. Unexpected chemistry that takes you by surprise. And this is really two guys operating at a very high level. And the respect was there. I dug it. What a great way to close the show. All in all, a strong, strong NXT PLE by today's standards. So Scott, as always, you put the math together, you add it all up on your scale from one to 10 tiers, your final score for the Great American Bash. Great American Bash gets a 6.5 for me. Uh, The main event was fantastic. The semi-main event left a lot to be desired, Uh, but nothing else really, you know, nothing else was really as good as the main event, but it really took this from just an okay to a pretty good show all right jeremy your final score i'm gonna give seven and a half there was nothing that disappointed and the arbitrary reasons for getting giving shit to corbin and stevenson don't hold water for me so you know 7.5 maybe an eight but i'm gonna go 7.5 i would go seven solid seven for this show really good some moments here and there, but all in all, the main event was great. Roxanne and Blair did a great job. The mob won the titles. Dom is so the champ. So a lot of fun on the show. Up and down the card. Enjoyed it. The fans in Austin was pretty hot. The Gable Steveson debut was something else. But all in all, it was not a bad show whatsoever. And good run for NXT. Just get the TV shows up and running more consistently. But hey, when you're number one or two on cable on Tuesday nights, you're doing something right. So hey. Get the bag when you can. And before we go, we want to quickly preview SummerSlam going down this Saturday from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. We got a stacked lineup and Scott's idea of more than one, two, three, possibly four women's matches have come to fruition. So Scott, your take on what we could get involving Trish versus Becky Lynch. We've got Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair versus the women's champion Asuka. In a triple threat match with EO, with EO Sky in the peripheral as Miss Money in the Bank. And we got Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler in some kind of fight. And on top of that, maybe perhaps Rhea Ripley defends against Raquel Rodriguez. She heals up in time for an injury. But all those women matches going down at SummerSlam. Did you get Becky and Trish? I did. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's great. And I think this is this is a, a good progression in how it should be. 
Um, and the and the fact is, there could have been easily there could be more. Like, like you mentioned, Rhea, she's probably not going to have a match on there, but she easily could. Her presence will be felt in some way. Um, but the matches that we have, they all feel important. They feel big. Uh, the triple threat match, I, I think that's going to be really good. The Becky, uh, the Becky Trish match, that's that'll be a nice, uh, ru- nice even match for Becky to get even with. So. I, I just I like the fact that the women are getting the spotlight, getting the showcase. Even the Ronda Shayna match is going to be different. It's going to feel different. It's going to bring something different to the table, uh, and it's going to give Shayna a nice boost on the on Ronda's way out. So, I, I just I appreciate the fact that the women are, are getting the shine and being treated as some of the biggest stars in the company, which they are. Absolutely. And some of these are not for titles. And that really speaks to how you can build fuse organically, tell a story without a title being involved and have your spot on the card be justified at the exact same time. And kudos to WWE for not overstuffing their cards. And you have feuds that made sense. You need to have a championship defender stable for TV, which is a sound strategy. So kudos to this company for realizing less is more when it comes to these cards. But Jeremy, your take on this nice balance of women's matches that are going to be a part of the SummerSlam card this weekend in Detroit. Honestly, I just hope Shayna Baszler has the match of her life because all the other women that are on this card, frankly speaking, their spots are kind of guaranteed. Like, they're not in danger of not making big matches or having future matches on big cards. You know what I mean? Like, in jeopardy if this one doesn't go well. So, more than anything else, I'm hoping that Shayna Baszler has a fantastic match with Rousey and she can finally put her her stamp on the roster as one of the upper mid-card women wrestlers rather than just kind of walks in the show. Yeah, me too. I just want Shayna to have her breakthrough performance as well on the main roster and send Ronda Pack in, respectfully speaking. That's all that I want to see. Also, I expect fun times with Trish and Becky. I love Trish's run this time around in WWE. She is mother for a reason, and I do expect... Asuka, Bianca, and Charles have a great match for the women's title as well. EO could play a factor in that as well. We'll see about it. But also another match that I'm looking forward to is Drew McIntyre versus Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. We got the chart going. Will he break the honky-tonk man's record as long as reigning Intercontinental Champion? I will say yes. I'm sorry, Drew. You're going to have to lose. But it's going to be, dare I say, I'm going five stars on this, Jeremy. What you think is going to happen in this match? Drew loses and loses his mind along with five stars out of his pocket. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And I want him to go heel at this point. I know that I've been waiting for this man's crowd coronation for three and a half years. It, it might be 2024 when it happens, but hey. It's going to happen for you one day soon, Drew McIntyre. Trust and believe you're still my pandemic era MVP as WWE champion over three years ago. But Scott, we know he's going to lose, but do you sense five stars as tears coming for Gunther versus Drew for the IC title at SummerSlam? I don't know, man. Last time I did that with Seth and Logan, I came away with like four and a half. So let me, let me, let me, let me, let me lowball them. Let me lowball them as something I they can't even they have to pass even if they halfway did it. So we'll we'll start at four tiers. I think they're guaranteed four tiers, no question. 
Um, but I, I, I agree. Drew's going to lose. And then I think he comes back with the Gallus boys and they start running roughshod around until Seamus and the Brutes. And we have that little, we have a bunch, you have that going on. But I, that, that's what I think happens. Drew's going to lose. And I do think Gallus would be a great group for him to have as just some extra heavy. Like for pe- when people don't need heavies to have heavies, it just adds another element to it. So I think that's be a nice, nice touch for Drew. To elevate them, especially because I want to like them. Just give me a reason to care so that they have have heavies. I like that a lot. So just move that on up and we're good to go. Now, as Scott alluded to earlier, we both went out on a limb at WrestleMania suggesting, presuming that Logan Paul is going to give us that five against Seth Rollins. He didn't give us the five. He gave us four and a half. And he admitted, you know, I could have did better. And I respect Logan Paul for that. So we're going to have... Logan Paul versus Ricochet opening the show possibly because Logan had other obligations for his brother to make his boxing match on time via private jet. But I'm going to stand by my prediction. Cautionary four and three quarters. Can't go to four or five, but cautionary four and three quarters. Jeremy, who you got? Logan Paul has to win a match eventually. So uh, I'm going to go with Logan Paul on this one because I... I don't know if he's ever won a match in WWE yet. All right, Scott. I know you don't want to go the full five, but who you got? Uh, so I got Logan Paul, and yes, Logan Paul has beaten uh, the Miz at SummerSlam. Oh, there it is. There it is. Um, <laughs> I, the Miz seems like a solid resume of career beaters for, for Logan Paul in the WWE. Hey, and listen, I mean, when you when you beat the only two-time Grand Slam champion in, in WWE history, I think that's a nice little notch in your belt. You know Dude, what I mean? Hold up. Hold up. I saw, I, I was listening to the the rap a couple weeks ago when you very clearly dis, uh, distanced yourself from your, your Miz <laughs> adoration and fandom. So don't be coming back around now and talking up the Miz like he is the savior of your wrestling fandom. You do not get to play both sides of this. No, not allowed. No, no. Scott. bad Scott. You sound you sound bad like Scott. old boy talking to uh, what's uh, what's the what's the dad and dog name from Family Guy? Oh, Peter Griffin. Yeah, you sound like Peter talking to the dog. No, 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 no. no. You do not get to you do not get to go Miz love at the end of this perfect episode. Oh man, touche. But yeah, I, I, I'll I'll say I'll say four for them too because I think they're gonna just try some crazy stuff, man. Like I, you saw what they tried at Money in the Bank. <laughs> like I just I I think they're just gonna go. Mistakes will be made. They are going to try to recreate Will Ospreay versus Ricochet. They are going. There's going to be moments in that match that is going to be spot for spot. I guarantee it. Corkscrew senton incoming. And Logan Paul can probably do it. Go oh, sure. Go oh, sure. I will be looking for uh, Will Ospreay's finisher to be attempted in this match. Oh my god! I'll let you know if it happens. Oh my gosh, guys. But yeah, it scared Scott to death. He didn't even want to see this match. But I said it's going to happen, and sure enough, it is. And I want to thank Jeremy for clocking Scott by throwing the Miz under the bus because I was going to do it. But Jeremy knows me so well. And he said, No, Keela, I got this. 
Thank you. Bless you. (laughs) Pulled up on his ass and said, no, not on my watch. Pause. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what we not gonna do at the end of this perfect episode. Okay. I'm gonna tell you what we not gonna do. I can slander the Miz. Okay. I can do that. Y'all can't do that. I'm gonna tell you what we not gonna do. Okay. Sidebar: We've all approached the bench at this point. That that that, that man sitting at home with his wonderful family. He catching strays. <laughs> thing. It started falling even worse than we imagined. <laughs> okay, let's see. Wait for he's hoping that Miz and Mrs. Is, is renewed for season five. Waiting on it. Waiting. I'm waiting on it. Waiting on a tweet. Come on, man. Come on, USA. Like, what else you got besides WWE? Nothing much. You never Temptation know. Island. The Big D. The Miz might win the Cover Clan Battle Royal. You never know. He better I don't not. think he will. He, he better, better not. not. <laughs> he better not. Listen, listen. If it's not LA not, we fighting. It's gotta be LA no, night. It could be a surprise return. I kind of could be it was a surprise return. You got you got you got the entirety of the new day just kind of hanging out, completely forgotten. So I don't know. That that was my hmm, battle royal new day. Hmm, that'd be interesting. I would like to see that as well. I think it's gonna be a very entertaining battle royal. So we just segue to that real quick. I got LA Knight winning. He needs a win. Stop playing around. It's time to get him up and running as the next top tier star in WWE. The fans love him. He's gonna be so over in Detroit on Saturday. So give the man the W. I'm good with it. As we get to our next match, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor for the World Heavyweight Championship. I think that Finn Balor has been doing some great work as of late, being the pitcher perfect heel in this match. I expect this match to be much better than the match ahead at Money in the Bank. Less selling, less give the people the show. But, Scott, your pick on this match. Who's got the win at the end of the night? I got Finn Balor winning the title mm-hmm. here. Um, I think it adds a whole new dynamic to Judgment Day. I think they've proven themselves as a unit. I think Finn Balor as champion, just I think there's just a whole new fresh, you know, a breath of fresh air that would come into Raw with Judgment Day having the women's title, the North American title, money in the bank, and the world title. I mean, that's a hell of a sight right there. Um, I I think Judgment Day reigns supreme if Finn Balor wins. I think it's time to do it as well. I think it's time for Judgment Day to have every piece of gold and money in the bank at their disposal. And Damien can give him the side eye and look at him and say, "Mm, I could get that belt. I could get any belt of my choosing. Keep them guessing. So, yeah, Judgment Day, I think right now, is the most over faction in WWE, not named the bloodline that could change very quickly if Jimmy is going to do what he's going to do on Saturday. But right now, Judgment Day is hot. And at this point, why not give him the bell, Jeremy? This match, to me, is a pick I see the argument for both Seth to win and for Finn to win. I really love that promo by Seth saying that Finn has already lost, whether he wins or loses because Damian Priest is waiting in the wing. And I thought that was just an excellent promo. But if it were me, I would, I would have Seth Rollins retain and Finn Bauer does not get another shot. And then at the next feud that Rollins has with whoever it is, Damian Priest cashes in then so that the issue isn't Finn Bauer got swooped 
by Damian Priest. Except Finn Bauer flat out couldn't do it, and now he has to sit there and stew in jealousy that Damian Priest did it on the turn after him. And maybe things aren't quite so rosy in the Judgment Day. That would be kind of my way of doing it that would kind of spin it in a different direction, but you could go, this is straight up a pick to me. It is a pick and you can't go wrong either way, but I think it's time for Judgment Day to stand tall on this with all the belts and the briefcase boots, so I'm all for this. And we talked about the main event, Roman and Jay extensively at the top of the show. I think we have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Jimmy would be the Nikki Bella of the situation and turn on his brother, but they have a far better feud <laughs> over Nikki and Bree. So I am all in on it. Let's go get it. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that. Well, I, I, I'm not a, I don't know if that's 100% set in stone because I can see Jimmy just laying them both out and walking out. Mm. And then you don't, and then you, then you got a hook and then you got something to be like, what is, who, who's Jimmy with? What's he doing? Why'd he kick Jay? You know, we understand why'd he leave them both out? Like, so I could see him laying them both out, taking everybody out, just going crazy and then just leave. It may just be that the only thing that comes out of it is that Solo and Roman are not on, not on as solid ground coming out of this match as they were going in. I'm looking forward to it, guys. It's going to be a very fun show on Saturday. Going to be covering it next Sunday morning right here on the Viking Media Network to get you ready for a brand new month as we approach some serious shows for both WWE, AEW. It's going to be a lot of fun right here on this network. And I'm looking forward to a lot of stadium stuff going down this time of year. And we love it. So as we put a bow on this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network, I want to thank Scott and Jeremy for joining me as always. We talked all things The Great American Bash and a little SummerSlam preview for good measure. Thank you, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. I had a blast. Uh, Jeremy, thank you for joining us to bring a little strong style to our WWE talk. And uh, we look forward to the next time you come back. I was, uh, I was very happy to join you guys. We, uh, uh, the Speak of Strong Style show that I do covering the G1 and New Japan Pro Wrestling with Stephen Conway, we're actually going to do a live YouTube show reviewing the finals of the G1. So I kind of needed to get a one-show review under my belt kind of practice so thank you for having me on and getting me ready for the uh for the new japan version of this that i'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks live on the youtube channel super cool so looking forward to that as well one of the hardest working men the fighting media network he does great clips for us and for every show across the board here so he is really the heartbeat of this in a lot of ways to make sure that we are promoted and sound good at the exact same time. So thank you, Jeremy. Arriving tied with all ships. <laughs> you sure do. And we love you for that. Love you, dude. And I appreciate everything that you do as always. And Scott, you know, we rag each other every day on the show, but you know, um, a certain season's coming up in about two and a half months and our beef resumes. So let's enjoy the good vibrations while we can. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm a golfer now. <laughs> you're uh, a liar. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I play golf now. You're you a ball whacker. Sir. 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 Mm-hmm. What a, what a way to end the show, but no. Nah. Top golf, Scott Young.
not out. Just saying. But with that, that's a wrap for all things WWE. This week will be back Sunday morning with our SummerSlam review right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Until then, for myself, for Perky Scott Young, and for Jeremy Feinstone, that's a wrap on all things NXT, the Great American Bash. Enjoy the week ahead, everyone. Take care, and bye-bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.